it looks like you all hated me so much that you've given me this award for it. That it can be about the performance and not the politics. This moment is so much bigger than me. And I can't deny the fact that you like me right now. You like me. And thank all of you who voted for me and all of you who didn't, please excuse me. I deserve this, thank you. And welcome back to this year's episode of Academy Queens. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, that sounds funny. I'm Joe Gentile. And I'm an unnatural mother. I'm Brandon Stanwick. And this is Academy Queens, your LGBT guide through the Academy Awards per year now, per decade. Hmm, interesting. Well, with that said, the class of 2021 is here. We're here to finally talk about it. We can talk about it on the Twitters after this, and we can stop publicly hiding our feelings about this lineup in this Oscar season and all the awards that came with it and the drama. So, Brandon, how the hell are you, buddy? Oh, I'm pretty well. Um, enjoying our little, uh, I don't, is it even really a hiatus? Uh, we sort of just took like a, a little breather between, you know, our quote-unquote series finale and this little bonus episode. But it's been, you know, nice um, not having to cram in all kinds of movies every week for a recording session. Just nice little easy breezy homework for this one. It really is. And I think that's kind of like the fun thing from here on out, you know, however long we decide to continue to do this, is that, like, we're really only dedicated to one episode a year now. Yeah, or whenever we just feel like doing something right that's that's kind of crazy it's nuts it's nuts but um i have a question for you Mm -hmm. and i need to know and the people need to know if you have seen it yet i have found (laughs) one of my favorite oscar nominations of all time on our hiatus and that is rosalind russell and auntie mame have you gotten around to see this yet no i've never seen that film Oh my God! I <laughs> I need you very soon. You have at least a year's or a year's worth of homework, but to watch one movie. Mm-hmm. To... <laughs> I need you to watch this because I need your reaction and I need you to see how much I am anti mame. It was like watching a biography, and I will sue. I'm already in two lawsuits. Might as well add a third. I will I will sue for my story being used. Okay. Mm. What, what's one more lawsuit? What's one more lawsuit? And no, I'm not being sued. I am suing. Uh-huh. So, um, yeah, I, I, I genuinely – I just got sent, like, a clip, or someone had put, posted a clip of it. And it was one of the funniest reactions I have ever seen. And, you know, I'm a big comedy person. I've always talked about that. And I watch it, and it is everything and more <laughs> that I ever hoped for. It is probably in my top five nominees of all time for Best Actress. It is perfection and hilarious and what a joy. Thank you, Auntie Mame. Um, I would like a remake I would like a proper remake because I know there was kind of like a Lucille Ball musical at one point in the 70s that didn't do too well. But I would like a anti-main universe. Please and thank you. Sounds like you have something planned already. 
you don't know my life? No. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> no, no. How was how was your pride? Oh, it was fine. Um, we didn't really go to the official pride because it was, you know, super hot. And our apartment building, as you know, is pretty uh, gay heavy. And mm-hmm. we had this brilliant uh, thought. We were like, you know, if everyone is at pride right now, then nobody will be at the pool. So we went to the Kroger and got some adult beverages and went to the pool and there was nobody there. So we were just chilling there and it was great. So that's how we spent our pride weekend. I love that. I love that. Well, it's um, July now, so we can no longer be uh, LGBT. So that's, you know, we are uh, straight. Mm, Wow. That was uh, I've never had to say something so difficult. (laughs) <laughs> that took some serious acting. Hey, wow. Ooh, God, okay. Where is my Oscar now? God damn it. Um, no, um, yeah, it was crazy to think that it's been a year since I've technically seen you because mm-hmm. I, I, we, I celebrated my year with you by reminiscing about the time I almost died and got hit on Rainbow Road in gay town, <laughs> Dallas, USA. Um so that was fun. It's true. You almost got sideswiped by a car crossing the street. It was totally my fault, but still would have sued. Um, so that was fun. But yeah, it's kind of crazy. It's been a year because the last time, the last episode we did in person ended up being the class of 2020 with you, myself, Ryan McQuaid, and Ryan McQuaid's smacking of his hand on your goddamn table. <laughs> yes, he had a lot of feelings he was- during that episode. He really did. He really did. But now we're back, and it's been a year, and uh, yeah, I'm ready to finally dive into this. Well, who do you think I'm going to pick as supporting actress and lead actress this year? Um, For some reason, I have a feeling about Judy Dench in Belfast. I can't recall if you've ever given it to Judy Dench before. I don't think so. So I think maybe now might be the time. Um, Lead actress, I think... See, I've been going back and forth on a couple. I think I'm just going to say Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter. Okay. Um, to answer your question, I did give it to Judy Dench for Mrs. Brown. Remember, I oh, hate right. the 1997 lineup uh, with a bloody passion. <laughs> um, outside of Joan Cusack and Minnie Driver, I'm not too keen on 97 overall, but that was the year I did give it to her. Um, interesting choices. For some reason, I thought Mrs. Brown was runner-up for both of us, and you had another winner. I couldn't recall. Because you went Helena Bonham Carter. Yes. Yes, and I went Miss Judith Dench. <laughs> okay. Um, supporting for you, I have a feeling you are going to go for Jesse Buckley. There's something that screams Buckley to me when it comes to you. Um, lead, I don't know. To be honest, we, you and I have had zero conversation about any of these people. In fact, there's only one person you know for sure I'm not picking because I had to vocalize that at some point during the season on the the Bird app. Um, But with that said, I think you're going to go Penelope Cruz or Jessica Chastain, but I'm going to say you go Cruz. So Penelope Cruz, Jesse Buckley. Okay. 
All right. Well, let's dive in. Um, I've got supporting this year. So uh, as a reminder, your supporting actress nominees of 2021 were. Jesse Buckley, The Lost Daughter. Ariana DeBose, West Side Story. Judy Dench, Belfast. Kirsten Dunst, The Power of the Dog. Anjanu Ellis, King Richard. All right, let's start with Anjanu Ellis as Orsine Brandy Williams in King Richard. This is her sole nomination thus far. Going into Oscar night, she has a win somewhere. So on paper, even though we'll never know, technically, if you go by wins, she was the closest one to kind of beat the Ariana DeBose chain. Um, with that said, BAFTA nominations, Critic Choice nominations, Golden Globe nominations, SAG nominations for Ensemble, but LAFCA, the LA Film Critics Association nomination, all supporting, except for SAG, that's an ensemble. But she wins at National Board Review. So that is, she's the only other person in this lineup to have a win somewhere. Thus, on paper, why I said she'd be probably the runner up. We'll never know, though. But again, Anjanu plays Brandy, and in King Richard, she is the heart and soul of this movie. She is the neck that moves the head of the household um she is the one who truly guides emotional love and spiritually for the family um is not afraid to stand to her husband and when she does is a firecracker um all while cheering her daughters on so brandon what are your thoughts on Anjanu ellis as brandy and king richard I think she's actually quite good in this movie. Um, I did not care for King Richard as a whole. Um, I don't think that's much of a surprise to anyone who knows you know, my taste in movies. Uh, King Richard just, you know, not for me. But I thought Ingenue Ellis really upped um, just about any scene that she was in, taking, you know, that standard uh, long-suffering wife, dedicated mother role that we often see in these biopics about, you know, strong men and she brought a lot of layers and grit to this character who very easily could have been one of those um write-off roles um but you know she's a stellar actress and she wasn't going to let that happen so uh she made quite a name for herself i know Anjanu ellis is someone who's been around for a while so it's kind of funny to say that she's making a name for herself but there's a lot of folks who simply didn't really know who she was prior to this i know um i can say uh with no shame that i discovered ingenue ellis about 20 years ago uh playing sister girl and undercover brother that's how i learned who ingenue ellis was uh for some reason that's just one of the movies that uh was a favorite in my household growing up and um I don't know why. So uh, that's how I knew who she was. Uh, I didn't realize how much of a thespian she was uh, back then, uh, you know, doing uh, August Wilson plays and whatnot over the years. But um, she brings a lot of that to this film, I think. Um, it's a pretty fantastic performance, uh, I would say. How, about, how do you feel? Well, I want to start by talking about this lineup as a whole by saying, thank fuck. We have not a single category fraud here. 
Like, it's kind of refreshing. Mm-hmm. That's nice as hell. <laughs> I'm worried with you now. I'm worried. Because that mm-hmm, was mm, not so convincing. Um, But regarding Anjanu, this is wonderful. I also, not a fan of King Richard. I don't, I don't understand that movie, how... First of all, why we're focusing on Richard Williams and not Venus and Serena or why this movie just couldn't be the Brandy Williams story because she is the utmost interesting character in this whole damn film. Um, Not to mention, like, we could have avoided the whole slap drama bullshit if we focused on the women and who are the Williamses as a whole. Um, because this, she carries this film without her, this film would be absolutely unwatchable. She is dynamic in every way. She's the only reason to ever revisit this movie. And she is absolutely sublime. You're right. She takes what could be the long suffering wife and she totally flips that cliche on its head. Um, there is not a false, um, line delivery at all coming from her i mean yes you can count um the whole big kitchen scene as the reason she gets her nomination but i would like to fight back on that because this is one of those roles that every scene could have been her oscar clip everything she does in this movie is perfection it is so good and i love that we had another queer woman of color in this lineup um here so you know what fuck yeah go Anjanu ellis congratulations on this i discovered Anjanu ellis in 2008 from the first season of true blood um that's how i first came to know her so either way i just love that she has has been working and she finally got her her recognition and she was another help actress to get a nomination. So look at that ensemble. Look at it go. The uh, the kitchen scene is pretty fantastic. Um, I I wouldn't say that is you know quote unquote the reason she got nominated because this movie is sprinkled with um, fabulous scenes uh, where she demonstrates her abilities uh, in all of them. The kitchen scene is just you know the exclamation point in a series of punctuation marks in this movie. That's almost like every scene she's in, there is a solid period where she makes her mark and then the movie goes on. But the kitchen scene is simply like the exclamation point where there's almost no going back and you just have to accept Alice for the thunderstorm of an actress that she is. So it's not the only reason she got nominated, but it is certainly a key factor. Yeah, I got to say what sold me on it was as great as that kitchen scene is, but I think my favorite scene and her whole um, repertoire of scenes here in this film is actually when she gets really pissed at Richard when he starts driving off without the girls. Mm -hmm. That, I wish, was her Oscar clip because she is a hurricane and she is so wonderful. And I really... We'll we'll talk about Ariana DeBose here, but I really, really wish this is a lineup where you could have we could have seen a spread the love type of year because like last year with Best Actress, I really wish everyone here would have at least gotten something because all five are spectacular. I'm just going to say that 
So, yeah. Yeah, I like all five of them. Uh, there's not really one that I actively dislike. There's just, yeah. you know, a couple that I like more than the rest. Yeah, and, you know, and, and the, the, the thing this year is, like, I, you know, when we did 28... 28- <laughs> I always bring up this damn year for some reason when we brought, when we did 2018 and I had said like, Oh wait, was it 2018? I'm starting to lose track of the years we've done. Yeah. But, Oh yeah. It was like, no matter who won, I think we both kind of agreed that I think actually we did agree no matter who won up for best actress for us. It was like, we all knew it belonged to Tony Collette type of thing. Um, For me this year, it's like, no matter who want wins for this, like, for me, Martha Plimpton in Mass and Alana Hyam in Licorice Pizza will always be my winner. So, you know, there were so many snubs this year, but there isn't one who I could actively dislike in this lineup. Yeah, uh, pretty much same. Yeah. All right. Judith Dench as Granny in Belfast. This is her eighth and most likely last nomination of eight nominations. Um, going into... Oscar, she really has nothing outside of it. Well, she has nothing for her performance. Uh, singular, single, sing, wait, singling, yeah, English, singling it out um, outside of a SAG nomination for Ensemble. And in Belfast, again, Judy plays Granny, who is a wise, crackin', um, smirkin', uh, overly wise joke cracking granny um who is the light of this movie and uh yeah what do you think about judy in belfast i like her in this um i do not care for belfast um as a film either uh it's not one that ever really grabbed me uh i never really felt like it had a real purpose but i will say that uh judy dench is pretty good in it uh, she has a very solid vibe um, in this film. Uh, she brings a life and energy to it that I think it definitely needs. Because um, I know this movie is not very long. It's only like an hour and a half. And yet for me, uh, personally, it felt like it dragged on for much longer. And whenever Judy Dench was on screen, um, I felt as though there was a liveliness uh, there that hadn't been there before. Um, so I think this is a pretty good performance, um, and I'm not mad that she's nominated here. Yeah, um, so Irish Roma sucks. It's a terrible movie. Um, I don't understand why we keep nominating this type of film for things. With that said, the absolute best thing about Irish Roma are Kiernan Hines, who plays, like, Grandpa, and Judy Dench, who plays Granny, who both really earned their Oscar nominations. Um, they are the best things about these this movie. And, you know, a lot of people were like, well, Katrina Belf was robbed or whatever. And yeah, I don't see it when you compare what she's doing to Judy. Judy has every scene she's in, she's doing something. She's she's giving us the gambit of tough love granny or wisecracking granny or um, saying her final goodbye granny. And Katrina, outside outside of the scene, which I think she's really good in, where she finds out her son stole the soap suds or whatever and, like, goes 
kind of crazy there, is always just kind of like on a hundred. Like, I don't know if she really has any other acting ability in this movie, which is not a diss to her. I just think it's the material she's given. Um, so a lot of people were pissed about this, but I kind of like this. I like when, you know, Oscar throws a little wrench in the in the plan. So with that said, I think Judy's really good here. She's funny. She's adorable. She's loving. And you know what? If this truly is the end bookend of Judy Dench's Oscar career, I'm okay with that. It's, you know, it started off amazingly with Mrs. Brown and it's ended amazingly with Belfast. So, you know, it's it's a good nomination. People like chill out. <laughs> I like Katrina Belf as well, though. Um, and they're just two different types of performances. Uh, Judy Dench is, you know, more of a vibe, whereas uh, Katrina Belf is more of a crafty sort of performance i wouldn't say she's at 100 uh the entire time i don't think she's ever really quite there but um there's more there's more of an intricacy to her performance in this movie than dench's not that dench is necessarily painting in broad strokes but it's just a different type of personality they're both they're both bringing a different sort of matronly presence to this film which makes sense considering there are you know two different generations in this family uh, with you know very different life experiences and fears considering concerning the um, the political environment going on around them. So um, I would be okay with if she had been nominated as well. Um, I think they're both good. It's just a matter of you know taste, I guess. What did you think about Kiernan Hines? I thought he was pretty good. Um, I liked him as well. Uh, basically, the supporting cast is what I thought is what made this movie work for me, because uh, I thought Kenneth Branagh's per, uh, direction was meh. I thought the the young man who leads the film was kind of meh, um, kind of giving me a little bit too much at times. But the um, the seasoned uh, performers uh, in the supporting cast I thought were pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Also, I don't know who your pick was for screenplay. Mine was PTA for Licorice Pizza. Um, Licorice Pizza, obviously, was my favorite movie of last year. I was not um, ever shy about that. And it's the only PTA film I truly love. But LOL at this winning screenplay. Yeah, I was uh, quite confused by that. I have not read uh, any of the scripts from this year. I'm a weirdo who thinks you actually have to read the scripts to know what was the best written movie. Um, but I was I was pretty surprised at um, Belfast winning. Um, I have not seen Licorice Pizza or Worst Person in the World yet, but I'm not super thrilled about Belfast, Don't Look Up, or King Richard, uh, just you know, at face value. So um, to be determined, I suppose. Okay, you have definitely have to see those two. Those two are easily the best in the category. Um, and I, I believe, could I could tell you that without even having seen them. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and I'm really interested to know your thoughts on PTA because you tend to like him more than I do. In fact, I know you do. Um, yeah, and you know it's weird. I was, I think Licorice Pizza is PTA's masterpiece. I think it's the best thing he's ever done. It's just um, it's just an amazing film, and I, I'm very excited to hear your thoughts on it. But um, and a lot of people didn't really seem to like this, apparently. So I'll be interested, like I said, to hear your thoughts on it. 
Yeah, I'm. I'll get around to it eventually. Yeah. I just uh, have had other things on my mind when it comes to movie watching since we took our uh, little break. Yeah, for sure. All right, this year's winner, Ariana DeBose as Anita in West Side Story. This is her sole nomination thus far, and uh, she wins. She is she sweeps pretty much, except for the National Society of Film Critics, where she's just nominated, but she wins everything else. Supporting actress wins for BAFTA, Critics' Choice, Golden Globes, uh, LA Film Critics, and SAG. Um, this is a remake of not my favorite movie of all time, West Side Story. Um, originally, this also won Rita Moreno a very head-scratching win nomin or you know Oscar, but. That episode is behind us, and uh, we're kind of bringing it up again, though. We have to with this. But in uh, West Side Story, again, Ariana plays Anita, who is the woman who takes, who's kind of caught up in the middle of her her friend and her boyfriend and this war and twist the knife a little bit to let more murder and mayhem happen. I mean, there's a lot going on in West Side Story. So let, let, let's just talk about it. So it's been a solid minute since I've seen the previous West Side Story film. But uh, just going off of that memory, I can say that I prefer this version, um, looking at the films as a whole. Um, Spielberg's uh, film just works more for me um, than our, you know, 1961 uh, picture from, you know, many decades before. Um, I like Moreno more than you do in West Side Story. Uh, she is my runner-up, I believe, in that category, you know, behind Judy Garland, who just gives an all-timer performance for me in Judgment at Nuremberg. But had Judy not been there, very possible that Moreno would be my winner, and I would agree with the Academy. But um, when it comes to DeBose, I think I actually like DeBose a little bit more than Moreno. I think Anita's arc in this version of the story is um, clearer and more devastating for me than Moreno's. Um, perhaps I owe that film another watch, because um, if I recall correctly, I did not actually watch that entire movie for our episode on that uh, on that category. I kind of just uh, re- gave myself some refreshers on YouTube, so perhaps uh, I owe the film a whole rewatch by on its own but um debose for me i quite like here um i like this that anita's uh ideology is very clear from the beginning how she has this adoration this reverence this allegiance to america and the idea of america and all that the country has to offer and how it's going to be this beacon of hope and light for um she and her people and as the movie goes on um her outlook on life becomes darker and more bleak and um i believe the america number comes pretty much in the middle of the film pretty close to the middle and at that point she is you know infatuated with the idea of america which, you know, Puerto Rico is a part of, but oftentimes people forget that. And um, so she feels as though she is entitled to everything that America, you know, has to offer. And 
um, things change pretty quickly after that, and people die, and there's heartbreak, and her feelings toward America are um, pretty pretty bad. And I, I think Debose really sells that this complete reversal of Anita's outlook on life. And I really like it. It struck me a lot harder here than um, the 1961 film ever did. Um, so, yeah, I think she does a pretty re- remarkable job here in this version of West Side Story. So I've been very vocal in the past and in the present and probably in the future, too, of my absolute dislike of West Side Story. I really don't like the movie of the 1961 version. Um, I find it to be just awful and boring as hell with no really redeeming qualities um, from the acting to the music to anything. And, you know, that's always been that way. And so hearing that there was a remake, I'm like, we don't need this. It's not good. It's, you know, no. And then I watched it and I fell in love with Spielberg's West Side Story. And you know, the crazy thing is I played all of you fuckers listening right now. So we had a pretty viral tweet that I had to mute at a certain point the day that West Side Story and um, Drive My Car dropped. Do you remember this? No, I don't think so. Okay. I had to turn off notifications. It went insane because I had put kind of crazy how West Side Story. Oh, no, no. It was kind of crazy how HBO dropped the absolute best picture of the year or the best nominee of best picture of the year. Drive my car and the absolute bottom barrel worst West Side Story. But what was crazy about that is that before that I hadn't once tweeted about West Side Story. Not once. But what was the nuttiest part about that is that despite me not once tweeting from our account about West Side Story or saying I wasn't looking forward to it, everyone kind of just assumed that I hated it. So you created a monster, and that's when I tweeted about it. And so the fact that I actually liked it and nobody knew about it was kind of my like haha moment um and that's the thing this this version of west side story is fantastic it is it brings a like it did something for me in the way it's filmed in in the dance numbers in the acting here now granted maria and tony never they're never the most interesting thing about west side story the, the supporting characters are um i think it's really interesting that bernardo that one george shakiris a very curious supporting actor um oscar uh was kind of nothing in this because you have mike faced as riff who was fantastic in this and should have had a supporting actor nomination um you know officer krupke had more to do anita is magical ariana debose here is so good um she is just absolutely wonderful a lot of people have issue with Ansel Elgort as Tony in this. Um, if you just focus on his performance here, I don't think it's that bad. In fact, I think his performance is extremely powerful near the end with, when he has the gun and he's like 
you know, crying out for Maria. I think Rachel Zegler, even though I don't agree with her Golden Globe win because Alana Hyam, but, you know, looking at that, you know, I think she also does really good here. Um, I, I, but again, Maria and Tony just aren't the interesting characters here. The interesting characters are Anita and Rith. And what DeBose was able to do that Moreno has never been able to do, in my opinion, is actually make Anita likable. Um, I, I, you know, uh, DeBose outshines Moreno in everything when it came to comparing Anita's, that is. When, you know, in the singing and the dancing and the acting, she actually makes me care for her and be interested in her. And I see why she's won this. I see why she's nominated. Nobody in 61 has ever been able to do that. And the fact that Spielberg, like, just the shots of the shadows and the camera going in and just, it's it's so beautiful. Now, I am really sad, too, though, that this year brought us, in my opinion, the superior New York musical that was in the Heights and Olga Meredith, who really should also be in this lineup. I just, I really hate what happened to that movie upon impact. And for me, I think that's when we should be celebrating, but I am not the Academy. So I just wanted to shout that out there, but yeah, DeBose here is fantastic. And I look forward to what she does uh, in the future. So yay for West side story here. Yeah, I think she's just great. Um, I did not watch the Tonys uh, that she hosted. I don't think I've ever actually watched an entire Tonys. Tonys. <laughs> what? I've never watched the Tonys. I've never. I've I've only watched clips on the YouTube the next day. I've never watched it. I didn't even know she was hosting it until people were tweeting about it. And I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. But um, uh, to be a nerd uh, and reference the one little tiny fandom I'm a part of, I didn't know that Ariana DeBose was going to be in Westworld either until I watched the season premiere last week. Because uh, I watch things like the next day, like I download them to my iPad and I watch them on my lunch breaks at work. And I'm, I'm eating my lunch and I'm watching Westworld on my little iPad. And this woman pops up and I was like, that woman looks really familiar. And she starts speaking and I was like, she looks a lot and sounds a lot like Ariana DeBose. That is the weirdest thing. And I didn't think anything of it because I would have, I thought I would know if she was on this show. And then I looked it up and it's totally her. So yeah, she's on Westworld now. So that's neat. But um, I'm literally looking forward to seeing what she, what she does um, in the future. Cause I think she is just fierce as fuck in West side story. And, um, you know, I will find out here at the end of the episode if I myself would have given it to her, but I don't mind this win. Yeah. I, like I mentioned earlier, this is, this is a category where I would have loved to see the love being spread because I think everyone's worth at least a win somewhere from, you know, the big five. Um, so I don't know, maybe I agree with the Academy shocker. <laughs> Rare. Mm. <laughs> wouldn't that be the thing after my hatred of 61 to actually give it to an anita all right and right. anita and anita um anything else there's gonna be a lot of pressure on the, the third anita when this movie gets remade in 60 years oh god <laughs> we don't need another one <laughs> we need east side story if we're gonna do it just to do a sequel <laughs> What's oh, going okay. on side? What's going on in the Upper East Side of New York? How about that? Um, all right. Uh, moving on, we have Jesse Buckley as Young Lita in The Lost Daughter. This is her sole nomination. Going into Oscar night, she has BAFTA, 
Independent Speed Award, and National Society Film Critics nominations in supporting actors. In The Lost Starter, we have one of the rare occurrences that hasn't happened since Judy Dench and Kate Winslet in Iris. And before that, um, it was Marlon Brando and Robert De Niro in The Godfather 1 and 2, obviously separate movies. But um, where we have two nominees for the same character and it's the same year. Um, so you have young Lita in The Lost Daughter, played by Jesse Buckley, and then you have Lita, played by Olivia Coleman, which we'll get to later. Um, so we have two actresses playing the same role different ways. And in Jesse's scenes in The Lost Daughter, we get the story of how Lita got to the point in her life where she ended up leaving her daughters. Um, it's a spoiler, but, you know, if you're listening to this, you watch the movie by now. Don't care. So, um, what are your thoughts? So, this might be a, a shocker to some people, but when it comes to Jesse Buckley, I tend to be like an outsider looking in because uh, it seems like everyone online seems to be, I shouldn't say everyone, but a lot of people in my little bubble seem to be infatuated with her. And the only thing I really know her from is The Lost Daughter because I have not seen, I'm thinking of ending things or Wild Rose, or Beast, or these other movies that people reference her as having been very good in, the only reference point I think I have for Jesse Buckley is The Lost Daughter. So in a way, I feel like I'm not fully in the Jesse Buckley hive. I do like her in this film, though. So eventually, I'm going to have to seek out these other performances. But I do like her here. Um, The only little downside is I feel as though... Her scenes, the young Lita scenes, are just not quite as interesting as the rest of the movie. And I think I might be reaching a point in my movie-watching, story-reading life where I want as little explication and backstory as possible. And I feel like the movie would have been more interesting if... Olivia Coleman just would have been this enigmatic, complex, somewhat opaque woman with all these problems who just sort of lashes out at people and just cries. <laughs> and uh, I'm not going to blame Jesse Buckley for that because I know she's not the writer or director of this film. But sometimes, like when I was watching the movie, I just couldn't help but thinking, I, I kind of just want to go back to Olivia Coleman. But looking at her, uh, on her own, I think she is doing quite well. Um, the scenes with the children, um, where they are just kind of abusing her um, as their mother, uh, are k- kind of difficult to watch on the one hand, um, because, you know, it's pretty unpleasant to just watch this woman's life sort of erode and become something that she never really wanted it to be. But then it also gives you, um, maybe it's just me being a bad person, but it makes me empathize, I guess, with the elder Lita, um, knowing what she did. Because like, I can watch those scenes and be like, mm, you know what? Uh, I don't blame you all that much. Maybe I'm just a bad person. But um, so, yeah, I, I think Jesse Buckley is really solid in this, even if I don't think her scenes are always super needed. Um, for me, uh, I know some people feel differently about that sort of thing, but how do you feel about her? Fuck them kids. 
Fuck yes. them kids. Like, yeet. Like, bye. I, I, you're not a bad person for that. Them, those kids were awful. I'd leave them too. I also wouldn't put myself in a scenario to have those kids, but that's just me. Um, listen, Jesse Buckley has the, the hive of Buckley is interesting because I'm thinking of ending things as trash. It is so fucking pretentiously stupid. And people were like, it's the greatest. I'm like, no, you have terrible taste and shit. Shut up. Um, and, you know, men didn't do really well. And Judy, she was good in Judy. Uh, Wild Rose, I didn't see. Chernobyl was great. But, like, Jessie Buckley is still an actress who, in my opinion, is still proving herself despite the Oscar nomination. You know, it puts her on the map for the industry, yes. But this Buckley Hive is really interesting because she really hasn't done anything to garner a hive, in my opinion. But that's just me. Now, The Lost Daughter, I really liked as a film. Um, I thought it was interesting. I thought it was an interesting character piece. I like what she's doing here. This is something where I can empathize with the decision that kind of makes, and obviously we'll talk about it more, this kind of feels like a moment where, like when we did the Terms of Endearment Ladies, where you had to talk about them together. So it's it, it's interesting having to talk about this separately because it's, it's the same character, you know? And it, it really grounds, I think, the other story happening here. And Olivia Coleman's performance, I think, really rests on Jack, Jesse Buckley to make it work. Because how do you find the emotional depth to be on her level if we don't get it from the person playing young Lita. And I think Buckley does an amazing job with that. I think she's really good here. I think this is... I don't want to say this, but I'm going to. I think this... Anything can happen at any point. We know this. Anyone can get a second nomination, but this kind of feels like a one and done for Jesse Buckley. I don't know why. Maybe it's because nothing else for her has stuck the way film Twitter wants to stick. And I don't know. Maybe it's like a Kate Hudson moment where it was like one and done. But, you know, whatever can happen. But, you know, I'm glad she's got this nomination. Yeah, I mean, it's possible that this is her one and only time, but she's still relatively young. Anything could happen, but. That's also been the case for other actresses, like you've said. So who knows? Um, there's no real way of knowing until it does or does not happen. But I had forgotten that she was in Judy. Uh, I guess that she didn't leave much of an impression on me in Judy. But then again, that film did not leave much of an impression on me, so I'm sure that's not her fault. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I understand the reasons for why the scenes with her exist. Um, you know, the, gr- the grounding of things and um, setting the table for, you know, what comes in the present or future timeline whatever you want to call it um i guess i just uh whenever i'm with in the in that time period i just want to be back on the beach i guess even though she is doing some really interesting stuff uh i want to like her more i know there's a ton of people who are huge fans of her i just uh i'm not there yet with her i suppose maybe maybe in the future yeah who knows all right moving on to our final nominee we have Kirsten Dunst in Drop Dead Gorgeous. No, I wish. Could you imagine? God, she deserved for that. Um, 
also a lot of people deserve for Drop Dead Gorgeous. Drop Dead Gorgeous just deserves more, period. No, we have Kirsten Dunst in her first nomination, which is crazy to think of, as Rose Gordon in The Power of the Dog. Going to Oscar night, um, nothing but nominations, poor thing. Critics' Choice supporting Golden Globe, supporting SAG, supporting. Um, in The Power of the Dog, Kirsten plays, again, Rose, who is a mother to uh, Eric Anderson uh, as a child, and um, who falls in love with this kind of like ranch hand who has a brother from hell who's secretly a homo um and did some shit with bronco henry and yada 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 he makes her life a living hell she gets drunk as shit sells the hides it's a mess of a relationship these two have and it makes her go a little Two scoops of cuckoo kachu. So, um, what are your thoughts on Kirsten's first nomination? Again, crazy to think of that. First nomination here for The Power of the Dog. Um, I think the entire Academy ought to be arrested for not nominating Kirsten Dunst until now. Um, but this is a hell of a nomination uh, to be her first, even though it should be like her, I don't know, fourth or something i'd have to think but um i think she's very good in the power of the dog uh i also just really like this movie this movie just vibed with me so well from the moment i started it to the moment it was over um i think i'm just i'm just a jane campion sort of person i suppose um with the way she tells stories and things and i think kirsten dunst is a fabulous addition to this film uh i Doing depression on screen is really difficult, and Kirsten Dunst has nailed it more than once now uh, because she, in my opinion, should have been the runaway winner of the year with Melancholia back in, what, 2011? And now 10 years later, she's got this uh, character, uh, Rose, in Power of the Dog, and she is just heartbreaking to me. Um. I, every scene she has, no matter who she's with, I am just enchanted by her. Whether she's acting opposite Jesse Plemons or uh, Cody Smith McPhee or Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, she's just so incredible. The way she acts differently with each person in the way that, you know, people do interact differently with other people. They're not just the same person all the time. They sort of morph just a little bit depending on uh the power dynamics of who they're interacting with and i think she is doing some very detailed work here um that totally draws me in and uh the scenes where she is just completely breaking down um i can't really look away from her uh i think this is a very powerful performance and thank God she finally has, you know, a nomination on her resume. Yeah, I know you were a big fan of her in Melancholia. And, um, yeah, that and, again, Drop Dead Gorgeous. I mean, there there were so many opportunities. Interview with a Vampire to throw her away. It's it's kind of insane. And what's, what's insane, I would like to point out, I kept thinking who, if... Kirsten had not been available for this role. Do you know who would have been a really good return to form Academy nomination here? Anna Packard. Uh, who are you? 
Oh. Yeah, that would be a really interesting reunion with uh, Jane Campion. Right. And definitely not taking it from Kirsten. I think she's really goddamn good here. I kind of want to see this now. Anna Paquin's version of Rose. Oh, that would have been really cool. Absolutely. You know, um, I don't know if it's true or not, but I had read that um, one of the people Jane Campion was considering for this role was Elizabeth Moss. Because they, rec- they recently worked together on Top of the Lake. I say mm-hmm. recently, but that was like several years ago. But um, I think Elizabeth Moss also would have been good. This isn't like this is one of those roles where there's so many different actresses who I'd want to see do this, and that doesn't take anything away from Kirsten Dunst because each of each of the very talented women who could have played this all would have brought something masterful to the role, and that doesn't negate from what anyone else would have done. Um, it's just that kind of role. Yeah, I mean, goddamn, put Gabby Sidibe in that role. She would have fucking ate that shit up. Like I would, would've been, I would like to see it. Yeah, would have been so good. Would have been so Anna Kendrick, um, fucking Mariel Jaffe. I don't care. This is I want to see everybody do this role. You know, like this is let everyone do this role. Um, because it's that fucking good. Uh, Kristen there's does. There's room for everybody. There, there's room for everybody. Uh, I mean, my God, she is so good here. And what's just what's nuts about it is that there's not a false moment in her acting here either. It's the, the the scenes that get me are when she sells the hides. That one gets me. But when she's talking about the gold star and playing in, like, the dust or the makeup, whatever it is, I mean, she's losing it. She's absolutely losing it. And it is fascinating to watch because – it's like you want to give her a hug, but you know you. it almost feels illegal to do so. I don't know if you got that. With, <laughs> But, you know, there's something about this movie that is just, like, electric. Like, the moment you get to essentially what I think is the – where you find out – like, the, when, he, when Cody Smith-McPhee finds the, the gay porn magazine, it, it's like – the movie doesn't let you look away because it's building to that moment. And then it lets the characters fall apart and it does so in the most brilliant fucking manner. And I love this movie. It's so good. Um, It's crazy to think that this movie too, I think what led nominations and only walked away with director, like it was never winning anything outside of director at any point. And that is mind boggling to me. Yeah. Um, I mean, if there was going to be one Oscar and only one that it went away with, director makes sense because it is so, so well made. Um, the thing about Kirsten Dunst here, something else that she does that I noticed is she she is both fragile in this movie and yet also very dense in the way she carries herself. Like, she walks around sometimes like her shoes weigh 200 pounds, mm-hmm. but you would never know it. There is just a sort of, there's an anchor within her, like a metaphorical anchor that is just weighing her down because she is just so beaten and overcome by her mental illness. Mm-hmm. And um, it's so fascinating to watch all these 
weird little things that she's able to do that might just completely fly over the heads of some audience members. But if you notice it and really latch onto it, she is doing like 500 things at once. And that's, that is just talent with a cop, yeah. uh, capital T right there. Yeah. I got to ask you just cause um, we're not obviously doing the boys. Um, what do you think of Jesse Plemons's nomination here? Because that is one I just can't get behind. It's one of those that I'm like, he doesn't have anything to do here. Um, I don't hate it, but I I just don't – it doesn't work for me. I don't get it. What do you think? I really like Jesse Clemens in this movie. Um, he does a lot of really interesting work with stillness and – pauses and silence so i can see why at first glance it might not look like he's doing anything but i feel as though he finds a lot of um astounding it's astounding how many tiny intricacies uh Plemons manages to weave into every moment of stillness and every like short declarative sentence that he says like i think the if there's any one line of dialogue from all the Oscar movies from last year that just completely stopped me in my tracks. It was when he goes, I just want to say how nice it is to not be alone. In that scene with Kirsten Dunst, that just like completely, I just, the time stopped for me when he delivered that line. Jesse Plemons does a lot of really interesting stuff here in this movie that I don't think uh, you catch necessarily the first time, but um I think he's doing a lot of really cool stuff that uh, is sort of selfless in his performance. He doesn't really draw attention to himself in any way. It's like he's doing the work for himself, and he just has the confidence that the camera will catch it. And eventually, the audience will catch it, too. Interesting. All right. I'm I'm glad I asked that. Interesting. All right. Those are our five. Okay. So our nominees for Best Actress in a Leading Role were... Jessica Chastain, The Eyes of Tammy Faye. Olivia Colman, The Lost Daughter. Penelope Cruz, Parallel Mothers. Nicole Kidman, Being the Ricardos. Kristen Stewart, Spencer. Okay, let's start with our winner for the year. We have Jessica Chastain in The Eyes of Tammy Faye. This is her first win out of her three nominations. She gets a Critics' Choice Award and a SAG Award, and she is nominated uh, for the Golden Globes in the Drama category. In the eyes of Tammy Faye, Jessica Chastain plays Tammy Faye Baker, a woman who never met an eyeshadow she didn't love. And she is also a televangelist uh, and the wife of another televangelist and fraudster, Jim Baker. Uh, How do you feel about Jessica Chastain in the eyes of Tammy Faye? So I love Jessica Chastain. I think she's she's a great actress. Um, I think she should have won the Oscar for the help. I think you agreed with that when we did that episode. Um, I also think that Jessica Chastain should have at least six nominations and four wins by now. Um, you know, it's it's absolutely insane that she only has three, you know, and it was really it, a lot of people, myself included, 
didn't know if this was going to happen because she is more of a Oscar forgotten than or uh, an almost nominee than she is a nominee, which is crazy. So a lot of people are like, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? Who knows? Um, With that said, you know, Tammy Faye is a hard character to do. Um, My introduction to Tammy Faye was that uh, reality show, The Surreal Life. And that's how I knew who Tammy Faye was when I was a kid. Um, I don't believe in organized religion. I think organized religion is a cult. Um, If there is any true definition of a real Christian, though, it was Tammy Faye through and through. Um, The whole connection to the LGBT community is forever in my heart with her. And I, you know, she deserved a lot better. With that said, I think Jessica Chastain is marvelous here. Um, you know, this trailer <laughs> dropped the night that I got to your apartment or the morning of after or whatever. Um, Cause it, I think it dropped the morning I woke up and then Ryan and I watched it and then came downstairs and we all watched together. And I, Cause I remember you saying to like, watch it be Cherry Jones who gets supporting and unfortunately that did not happen um but you know it is a fantastic portrayal that never feels like a caricature because Tammy Faye in general felt like a caricature so I hope that makes sense the way I said that um but yeah there is not one thing I would change about this other than maybe not having Michael Showalter direct it there's something about the direction here that makes it feel feel like a lifetime movie that's my only downside to this um and i don't love the makeup i don't love the makeup job in here with the chipmunk cheeks it does not work for her um but i think everything else is really good i wouldn't describe it as a lifetime movie but there does seem to be something off about it i think jessica chastain of everyone involved in this film um out of everyone on the creative team she seems to understand better than anyone else who she's playing and whose story this is there seems to be a bit of a disconnect um, when it comes to most everyone else involved in this Um, i think she is fantastic here um i do recall thinking maybe this is cherry jones's moment Maybe this will be like her I, Tanya, or whatever, because, you know, Cherry Jones has been around for frickin' ever, and she's won just about every acting award there is, but she's never shown up at the Oscar. So I was like, oh, here we go. This might be the thing. But unfortunately, that didn't happen. So sooner or later, Cherry Jones will have her moment. It just won't be for this film. But I think Jessica Chastain is quite good here. Um, I don't love the film, uh, but I think she has a very commanding presence. I think my introduction to Tammy Faye quote-unquote Tammy Faye, was Jan Hooks on Saturday Night Live. I think it was, like, one of those, um, like, best of Dana Carvey or whatever specials, and I didn't know who this crying woman with a thousand gallons of uh, mascara running down her face was, and, like, my dad had to explain to me who Tammy Faye Baker was, and I don't know, I was like 12 or something, and I had no idea. But, um, you know, I came to learn later who the real Tammy Faye was. Um, I'm not exactly an expert on her in the way that some gay people purport to be. But I think uh, Jessica Chastain captures pretty much everything that's in my mind 
when it comes to who this woman was and her sort of arc from hyper conservative to uh, ironic gay icon, I guess. But um, I think she is quite good here, even though I think the makeup is somewhat questionable. Uh, I think the makeup is kind of showy, but in a way, so was Tammy Faye's real life makeup. So it kind of works in a weird backwards kind of way that I just kind of go with. But um, Chastain as a performer, I think, is quite, quite good here. Yeah, uh, you know, is she? she's never dull here. And I love the scene where... <laughs> I'm going to work it into this because it was fucking glorious. I <laughs> will have this moment, I feel, one day with Glenn Close. Um, I love the scene where... I think it's near it's yeah it's near the end where she pulls to her apartment and those boys are talking about her and she she's she's hurt she's visibly hurt um y- you know in 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 Chastain sells that beautifully and she goes if you're going to talk about me you got to say hello first and it kind of reminds you just to try and be a better person and that was the message of Tammy Faye and what kills me about this is that how she called out Grace Randolph <laughs> on the red carpet. And she, and like, I fucking love that. Cause I'm like, my God, I love when people just call people out. Cause I'm here for it. Like, if you're going to be messy, like I'm messy, call me out. That's fine. I'll own it. But I fucking love that. Tammy Faye finally did that for Jessica. Cause it was like, you go girl. Everyone's worthy of God's grace. Yes. That was that was a pretty good line. I don't know if she improved that or not, but that was a pretty good line. So good. Well, our next lady is Nicole Kidman, nominated for Being the Ricardos. This is her fifth nomination, and going into this, uh, she wins the Golden Globe for Drama and the AARP Movies for Grownups Award. She is also recognized with SAG and Critics' Choice in Being the Ricardos. Nicole Kidman plays Lucille Ball, and the film follows her as she navigates personal and professional obstacles over the course of about a week in her life. So how do you feel about Nicole and being the Ricardos? For how good of an actress Nicole Kidman is, she has one of the most boring Oscar resumes. Would you not agree with that? I don't know if I'd describe it as boring. Um, What about uninspiring? Um... I don't know if I'd agree with that either. Okay. Maybe it's just not your cup of tea. Uh, well, okay. I've given her an Oscar for Lion. You've given her, given her an Oscar for The Hours. I just, there's something about, she's like, like Jessica Lang. Jessica Lang has a, I think, terrible Oscar resume, despite her being one of my yes. favorites. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, I think a, Jessica Lang does have a pretty lackluster uh, out at the Oscars. That's it. That's the word, lackluster. For as great of an actress that Nicole Kidman, like Jessica Lange is, they have really lackluster resumes. And it's so weird that this is another one of those lackluster nominations because it's like, she's not bad here. Something with this face that she's got here in this movie is so fucking weird because it morphs and changes from the stills to when she actually, like when she is... When she is playing Lucille Ball, she looks nothing like Lucille Ball. But when she's playing Lucy, 
she looks like Lucy. Like that's that freaks me out in this movie. And I can't describe if if it's the makeup or it's the muscles she's using in her face, but it's fucking weird. I liked this movie. I I did not dislike this movie. I think it's funny as hell, that joke at the Oscars where it's like, how do you take one of the most funniest people in the world and make, and make not a singular joke in this movie? And the thing is, is, I don't think she's bad in this movie, but there's something missing here for me. Which is also funny because, like, I have Javier Bardem as my runner-up this year for for actor. And I think this is J.K. Simmons' better of his two Oscar nominations. It's really damn good. And I don't dislike Nicole Kidman. But there's something about this that makes me feel weird. And I cannot describe it any other thing, any other way than that. So your turn, I guess. I have... um mixed i guess you could say complicated feelings about the performance and the film um maybe i'll find the words for them here because i've been trying to i've been wrestling with myself to try to put it into words um lucille ball similar to tammy faye baker is one of those female figures from pop culture history that a lot of gay men seem to think they are the authority on and what i really like about this performance is nicole kidman gave people something that they weren't expecting a lot of people i think wanted to see lucy ricardo just off the set like they just thought lucille ball and lucy ricardo were the same person that as if lucille ball was not you know a hard-nosed, determined, get-it-done force of nature behind the camera, this sort of mastermind of comedy who understood that producing and performing are two different things. And I really dig what Nicole Kidman did here. And I think it's real. I really like what you're saying, how when she plays Lucille, when she plays the I Love Lucy, yeah. Lucille, um, she goes into this zone of familiarity. Like it's uncanny sometimes um, where she goes. But then when she goes back to being behind the scenes, Lucille Ball, that vanishes because she's not that person. They are two different personalities just in the same body. Um, So I really dig what she did here. Um, And it was unexpected. Um, and I, I always like the unexpected. So I don't dislike this performance to the extent that some people do. I don't think it's boring necessarily. Uh, I think there's more to it than might meet the eye. Yeah, it's like I said, it's not bad. Um, but there's something there's something about this. I don't know. What are your thoughts on the boys who got nominated? Um, I don't care for them as much. Um, they'd probably both be fourth or fifth for me in their lineups. I think Nicole Kidman is much more interesting than either of the men. Yeah. Fair. Okay. I like J.K. Simmons. Um, People hate his nomination for this. I don't know why. It's, he's so good. I think he's solid. Um, it's not exactly a stretch for him in any regard, but I think he's solid. And he, you know, there is no person quite like J.K. Simmons. So um, I think he brought his natural J.K. Simmons-isms to this um, 
performance. I'm not going to compare him to the real life person. Um, I think that's a very sticky wicket when people get into that and you get caught up in these very narrow readings of performance when you uh, try to attach someone too closely to the person they're playing. But I think he's solid. Um, I'm not quite as crazy about Javier Bardem. For some reason, um, I've only seen this film one time, uh, admittedly, and there was something about him that just seemed disconnected for me. Um, Maybe I wouldn't feel that way if I saw it again. Maybe I'd miss something or whatever. But there was just something about Bardem's performance that just seemed like it didn't quite belong with the rest of this world. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Next we have Penelope Cruz, nominated for Parallel Mothers. Um, This is her fourth nomination. Uh, Going into this, she has a win with the Los Angeles Film Critics and the National Society of Film Critics. And she's also nominated at the Goyas, which is an awards body we don't get to bring up very often. And she gets several other regional critic uh, nominations. In Parallel Mothers, she plays Giannis, a woman who becomes pregnant by accident. And while in the hospital to give birth, she forms a bond with another mother, a bond uh, that has lifelong effects. So how do you feel about Penelope Cruz and Parallel Mothers? Parallel Mothers is a fucking horror movie, dude. I don't care what anyone says. That is a horror movie. I watched that for the first time, and I was like, this is scary. Like, this is some horror movie shit. This is that type of stuff where you would hear, like, babies being snatched or switched or, like, like I can't. Oh, God, what is that horror movie where the babies are? Oh, The Omen. The Omen. This is the Spanish Omen without, like, little Damien pushing bitches downstairs and shit. Um, yeah, this is this is horrifying. I think the performance is fantastic. I'm not a huge Pedro Almodovar person. Like, I've only seen a couple of his movies, and, you know, I've given Penelope the win before with Volver. Um and I think we were actually pretty unanimous with that one on that win. But, you know, this is really good. She this is <laughs> this is a nomination that co- that came from nowhere that really stood a chance of winning. And I love that. Of course, we'll never know. She could have been fifth for all we know. But like the fact that do you remember? Did you watch the SAG Awards live? No. OK, Jessica Chastain wins SAG. They don't even let her have her the full moment because the instant she walks off the stage, there is an FYC ad for Penelope that came on her parallel mothers. Like it was insanity. Like the timing was so fucking hilarious. Um, this was the only movie to still play in LA theaters at the time that voting closed, like for, for actress that was still, you know, selling out tickets the way it was. So there was a lot of talk that this could be it. I mean, I know I know the internet pretty much went towards Penelope Cruz on this. I mean, it was insane. And I love that for her. Um, I think what she play what she's doing here as Giannis is fantastic and mesmerizing. And from her like researching on the internet to just forming this relationship to when she tells when she comes clean about it to where spoiler alert at the end when she's pregnant again. I mean, th- there's this there's so much happening in her eyes alone, let alone her, her verbal cues that it's just, it's, she pulls you in and never lets go. And I love that. Um, I love that this nomination happened for her. 
I truly love a, a um what what's the word I want to use? I truly love a uh feel good, not a feel good, but like when people rally behind you. What's the word? Like a fan favorite nomination almost. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like oh, Mary Cotillard in Two Days One Night was this nomination. You know what I mean? Like really didn't have anything going into this and was kind of word of mouth. The word of mouth nominees are fantastic. They don't need a campaign. It's all based on performance and not the politics. That's what I'm trying to get out here. I think one of the reasons um, so many people online and a lot of critics were rallying around this movie is because they saw it. This is one of those movies where when Penelope got the nomination, I think I was, because I had seen it already when it got the nomination, because I had seen it as like a screener for um, Independent Spirit Awards, I think. So when she got the nomination, I was aware of it. And I told pretty much everyone I talked to, if people watch Parallel Mothers, she will win. People just need to fucking watch it. The problem is, a lot of people will not. And um, I think that's why she didn't win. I don't know what place she was, who no one really knows besides, you know, the people that count the votes. But um, I think she is fantastic in this movie. Um, No one has ever read a a computer screen more compellingly than Penelope Cruz. Um, Sometimes I joke, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie uh, Personal Shopper with uh, one of our nominees here, Kristen Stewart. But sometimes I joke that Kristen Stewart does more acting with her thumb in that movie than some people can do with their entire bodies. Uh, she spends a lot of the movie texting with a ghost. Um, and here in Parallel Mothers, Penelope Cruz does so much with her eyes and her face that some people will just never be able to match. It is unparalleled, if you will. And um, I love the the melodrama that Almodovar brings to this story. Um, this feels like someone took a Douglas Sirk screenplay from the 1950s and plopped it into 21st century Spain and Almodovar just ran with it. And it is so goddamn good. I really like this movie. I think Penelope is fantastic. Um, I need to watch it again to say with certainty, but um, I think this is one of her very best performances. I'm still a huge fan of Volver. I think that's still my number one for her, but um, it's going to be a while, I think, before she's able to, to top parallel mothers. Because uh, I think this is a truly fantastic performance that people need to check out if they haven't seen. Um, our next nominee is Kristen Stewart, uh, nominated for Spencer. This is her first and only nomination. Uh, going into this, she doesn't really win anything super major when it comes to the precursors. But she is nominated with the Critics' Choice and the Golden Globes. And Spencer, Kristen Stewart, plays Diana Spencer, and the film chronicles her struggles with a mental illness over a Christmas holiday with the royal family at one of their um, rather large remote estates. So how do you, we feel about Kristen Stewart and Spencer?
No. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, <laughs> I that was probably the longest pause that's ever happened right now, because this is the most trash nomination thus far of this decade. I cannot, cannot, for the life of me, fathom how this happened or how fucking Twitter basics rallied around this. First of all, it is embarrassing the type of performance she is giving here. This is Razzie winning work. Um, the whole every other neck pose is like being in a Dior perfume commercial. I'm doing it. I don't know if you can hear out. Like, I mean, you can't see it, but like, it's just it's ridiculous. It's so comedic but comedic bad the when you get when you get this type of diana in a year where we had emma corin on the crown so perfectly masterfully doing diana there is no way to top it diana the musical was better than this i mean this is embarrassingly bad you can barely hear her because she talks like there's an angel sleeping on her tongue. It, I mean, it's just, it's, I'm just like, is the, is the bitch mic'd? What's happening? What's going on here? Um, There's this thing with Pablo I just don't get now. Like, is his niche, is his kink putting historical women in long, drawn-out scenes where they run? I mean, what, what? is this movie what is this movie what is this performance why are we wasting a spot on kristen stewart who is so much better in other things like closet sells maria or personal shopper yes i've seen that or you know if i can even give her a nomination for the first twilight over this i don't care this is an embarrassing nomination that should have never happened i rest my case your honor i realize now that i need more historical women and long drawn out scenes where they run I think I think that's my kink. I um, love that. I love that for you. Um, I so I um, kind of like previous uh, nomination we talked about. I have uh, complicated feelings about this one. I don't love it, and I also don't hate it. I just find it fascinating. Um, I kind of like that this film, which first of all is not The Crown. The Crown and Spencer are two very different things, and the two performances are appropriately also different. This one is sort of takes the idea of a biopic and sort of presents the idea of a biopic, which I kind of like. You know, I have sort of mixed feelings about biopics in general. And, you know, we have two others. Yeah. Yeah. Two others in this lineup already. And then more in supporting uh so this one i like that it doesn't try to be a sort of cookie cutter artifact of the subject and the time that it's presenting and i kind of like the casting of kristen stewart here and her performance which is strange but not necessarily in a bad way for me I understand what you're saying with the Dior ad comparison, but I think that all kind of works for me because Diana 
to my understanding, is someone who was constantly in the spotlight, on camera, being judged, being ridiculed, being mocked. This is someone who would always be very aware of how she was presenting herself, how she was standing and how she was being perceived. And maybe sometimes she didn't care, but sometimes she kind of had to. And it's a tricky life that she was leading that I think it's pretty clear for everyone uh, that she didn't always want to be leading that life. And she wasn't leading it the way she wanted to. So um, Kristen Stewart's playing a character who is very torn and upset. And I kind of, I kind of like what she's doing here and the way, um, is it Lorraine or Lorraine? I don't know how to say it. The guy's last name who directed this. Um, I don't think I've ever heard it said out loud. I kind of like the way he presents these quote-unquote biopics of these historical women um, and sort of presents them in this sort of almost performance art style. That's probably not the right way to put it, but I think people listening will understand what what I mean by that. So um, this is definitely a movie that I want to revisit in the future um, after it's faded a little bit for me, but I think it's a really beautiful, dreamlike, nightmarish sort of biopic. The look of it, I thought, was fabulous. I really dug the the fogginess of it all and the muted pastel sort of color palette. Um, I really dug it. So, yeah, I have complicated feelings, and uh, that's sort of where I am. You're so much more graceful than I am. Yes, that's probably true. Yes. Jackie was better. Um, maybe. Jackie's another one I haven't seen in a long time. But maybe as a as a film, perhaps. I think it's more um, conventional than Spencer. That's probably true. That's a fair comparison. That's a fair word to use. I would say that, too. Yeah, I think Spencer goes in a more art house-ish route than Jackie does. And perhaps, I think that's also why Kristen Stewart's performance works a little bit more for me. Because I think if it had been, if Spencer had been filmed in the way Jackie was, Stewart's performance would seem out of place. But given the way this movie is approached in a directorial sense, I think Stewart's performance actually really fits with it. That's fair. Okay. So it's one of those things where you kind of, for me, you kind of have to look at everything as a whole. If you just isolate Kristen Stewart and you just pick out these little gestures and mannerisms and the cadence of her voice, it does seem a little odd, especially if you're trying to compare it to the literal Diana. But if you look at the way the movie is constructed and put together, it it all blends for me. Yeah. Yeah. See, people, you have two very different reactions to it. One over the top and extreme, Brandon, and one very simply put, myself. 
Yes, that's what everyone says about us. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, our final leading lady is Olivia Coleman, nominated for The Lost Daughter. This is her third nomination, and going into this, uh, she wins at the Gotham Awards, and she is recognized at SAG and with the Golden Globes. In The Lost Daughter, she plays Lita, uh, the older present-day version of Lita, and she is just trying to enjoy the beach when reminders of her past sneak up on her, and she has to confront decisions she made many years ago. So how do you feel about Olivia Coleman and The Lost Daughter? I mean, can Olivia Coleman do no wrong? That's my question. I mean, she wins a an extremely deserved Oscar for The Favorite. Um, she... I wish she was in the right category for the father to win a second very extreme. I mean, even if she had won for the father, it's not like it would have been a bad win. It's very earned. You know, this is another nomination where it's like, oh, my God, this is one of our best actresses, period, point blank ever. It's insane how good this is. Um you're slowly unraveling and falling apart like Lita is throughout this movie. And I mentioned with Jesse Buckley, like a a lot of Olivia's performance while good on its own rests heavily on Buckley doing well, because you need to, you need to maybe be mad at Lita, but you also need to understand why she is the way she is. And if Buckley doesn't sell it, it doesn't work for Coleman. And that's, what's crazy. Like, it's like, Peanut butter and jelly, cocaine and hookers, um, academy queens and and fucking entertainment. Like we just, it works. You know what I mean? It, it just works together. And the fact that it works so well and yet still on its own, you can understand why she gets the nomination. It's it's just brilliant. Um, you know, I still wonder is she actually dead? Do we know? I don't know. Um, but you know, fuck that kid. Fuck that kid's doll. And fuck them kids. I would love to just have Olivia Coleman all of a sudden rack up like 86 nominations like Meryl Streep in the next, you know, 15 years. So that would be wonderful. Um, But, you know, she is a thespian to not fuck with. I think Olivia Coleman is just fucking tremendous in this movie. Um I think she's getting better and better with each nomination, which is saying something because she came out right out of the gate with the favorite, which is a fabulous performance. And then I think she's actually even a little bit better in the father than she is in the favorite, just looking at the performance itself. And then the lost daughter, I think she somehow topped herself again. Like, I don't understand how, how she is doing this, but um, Lita is such complicated woman and olivia coleman captures it all so very well she's another person kind of like how i was saying earlier with jesse plemons and power of the dog who even in moments of absolute stillness there is an entire story being told inside this person's mind and whether they're actually doing anything or not you can read it with clarity um, and Olivia Coleman is just so good at communicating all of that with so very little. Um, 
this is for some reason I that I kind of wish I knew less about this person. Like to go back to what I was saying with Jesse Buckley, I think Jesse Buckley is great in the scenes that she's given, but there's something about Lita where I feel like I wish I knew less about her because it would make Coleman's performance all this more strong. Um, and it's strong enough already as it is. Um, but she balances so many tricky things here because this is a woman who we could so very easily judge for the decisions she's made and the position she's put her family in, etc. And yet I don't. It's weird how I feel like I I don't understand her because I've never been in her situation and I never will be. But Olivia Coleman does such a great job of painting the portrait of this woman and all of the details and layers um, to her that I feel as though I can't help but understand her. Um, I don't necessarily forgive what she did, but I get it in the best way that I possibly can. Um, cause you know, like she's, I think she says, you know, she's not a natural mother. Some people are just not meant to be a parent. Um, and she made the decision to not be anymore. <laughs> and, uh, for her, it was fantastic. I think is the word that she uses when she's processing just how great it felt to leave her kids. And these are some very complicated feelings that sometimes don't always um, make sense. But in a weird way, they also kind of do. There's a lot going on in this movie. Um, and I think to give credit to Maggie Gyllenhaal, I think she she directs the hell out of this movie in a way that it doesn't look like it's a directed movie in the way that some, you know, films uh, wear their direction on their sleeve. Uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal, being an expert actress herself, I think uh, really pulls all that out and puts it on the screen in the best possible way. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know where else I'm going. I'm just kind of ranting at this point. No, uh, no, I get it. I get it. It's, it's fantastic. And it's a, uh... You know, if Maggie had gotten in for a director, uh, like she got in at the Globes, I would have totally been like, hell yeah. I, I You know, I could see why. Um, but yeah. What do you think about Dakota Johnson in this? Do you think we missed out on a Dakota nomination for this? I'm okay with her not being nominated for this. Um, I, I like her in this. I also just kind of like Dakota Johnson as a performer. She seems to be someone who's growing on me um, with each movie I see her and I feel like I like her a little bit more. Um, I'm okay with her not being nominated. It doesn't feel like an egregious snub to me. Mm -hmm. uh, but if she had, I wouldn't be complaining about it. Yeah. Do you feel as though she missed out? I do. She was. She's one I would have put in supporting, for sure. Okay. I do yeah. like her. I love her hat. Yeah. The hats are great in this movie. Uh, well, we did it. We did. <laughs> Shall we review? Okay. All right. As a recap, your uh, nominees for supporting actress were 
Kirsten Dunst in The Power of the Dog, Ariana DeBose in West Side Story, Judy Dench in Belfast, Jesse Buckley in The Lost Daughter, and Anjanou Ellis in King Richard. Again, I cannot reiterate, there's not a bad nominee here. There isn't. But you have to rank them. And with that said, I put Judy Dench at five. Um, she is really good here, and I appreciate this final nomination for Miss Dench. But this, it, I can't give her a win with who's in this lineup, so I put her at five. Judy Dench is also number five for me. Um, I like what she brings to this movie. Um, if she hadn't been here, the movie would be even more of a snore for me. But um, the other four just do more for me. So Judy is number five. Number four is Kirsten Dunst. There is absolutely nothing wrong with this performance. It's just another scenario where you got to rank somewhere. And uh, Kirsten is amazing. I love her. I cannot believe this is her first nomination. And again, like Judy, if she had won here, this wouldn't have been a win that I would be mad at. So Kirsten Dunst is my number four. Jesse Buckley is my number four. Um, I think she's solid. And I wish I was on the same train that everyone else seems to be on with her. Um, but I just uh, think the other three are pulling me along a little more. So uh, Jesse Buckley is number four. Um, number three is this year's winner, Ariana DeBose. I really like her Anita. I think that she's great as Anita. And I really like what this win did for her i mean this is a fantastic win she's much better than moreno but i gotta put her at three the other two are just way too strong out of the whole five for me to put any lower for me angelou angenou ellis is uh, number three Uh, she elevates this role in a way that another actress may not have been able to um and i think she is truly a star here um but the other two just are more my cup of tea. So Anjanou Ellis is number three. So my runner-up is Anjanou Ellis, and I give Jesse Buckley the win here. Let me start with Ellis. This is I, I kind of toss back with this all season long. It really did come to these two for me. Um, Ellis is fantastic, and it, she she deserved a win here, just like everybody else. Buckley is so good here at young Lita as young Lita. She really cements what this, what this movie is and allows it to work. Um, and I can't take that from her. She really turned in this movie for me. And I appreciate it. also too, who the fuck finger blasts themselves. And then like, doesn't wash their hands and just starts like slapping their kids with their, with their chachi fingers. Did you notice that? I think it might be a British thing. My God, woman, use some hand sanny. Something. If I got slapped by my mama's chachi fingers right after she just got fit done finger banging her bean, I'd be so grossed out. No, you don't do Understandably, that. yes. Right. But yes, Jesse Buckley should have won this for me. Okay. My runner-up is Ariana DeBose, uh, who I think is just a fireball incarnate in West Side Story. Uh, She took Anita to new highs for me, and I cannot wait to see what she does uh, moving forward. But Kirsten Dunst uh, delivers a performance that um, stayed with me 
for days after watching The Power of the Dog. Um, can't believe this is only her first time being recognized with this awards body because she is amazing. Um, she is my winner for The Power of the Dog. So go Kirsten Dunst. You should have known. You should have known. <laughs> And as a reminder, your leading ladies were Jessica Chastain in the eyes of Tammy Faye, Nicole Kidman in Being the Ricardos, Penelope Cruz in Parallel Mothers, Kristen Stewart in Spencer, and Olivia Coleman in The Lost Daughter. And my number five is going to be Jessica Chastain. Um, I think Jessica Chastain is quite good here. Um, I think she understands Tammy Faye better than just about anybody involved in this movie. But... Um, it's just simply not my cup of tea. So she is my number five here. I'm very surprised she's your number five. Wow. All right. Taken taken for a little ride here. I like it. Um, Kristen Stewart, number five. Doesn't even deserve this nomination. So why would she be any higher? Nicole Kidman is my number four for being the Ricardos. I like that she did something a bit unexpected. Um, not giving people the Lucy they thought they wanted um she brings a lot of layers and a lot of different angles to this historical figure and i really dig it uh didn't love the movie as a whole i think it has some drawbacks perhaps her performance could have been elevated even more with a different director um but she is my number four here number four is nicole kidman um She's good, but it's this isn't something that I would be like Oscar for. You know what I mean? Like it's we've seen better, but we've also seen worse from her, so I gotta give her four. Kristen Stewart is my number three for Spencer. Um, something I can say about this nomination um, compared to the previous two that I mentioned is I am I find myself more intrigued by this performance than I did Chastain and Kidman. Um, I was endlessly fascinated by with whatever she was doing on screen and trying to um, decode it and dissect it. And I love that in a performance. I understand it's kind of weird and strange, but this movie is also kind of weird and strange compared to a lot of biopics. So it all kind of works for me. And uh, for that reason, Kristen Stewart is my number three. My number three is Jessica Chastain. I I don't mind her win, but is this really what we wanted to give Jessica Chastain a win for? I mean, the help was right there. Um, I, I'm not mad she has an Oscar, but I really wish it was for work that has been better in the past. And again, never feels like a caricature, even though that's what Tammy Faye was. And, you know, three is very fair for her. So that's where I've got Jessica. Olivia Coleman is my runner-up for The Lost Daughter, um, which is kind of crazy because I feel like Olivia Coleman very easily could have won any time she's been nominated for me, and it would have been a great win. It just happens that every time she's in a category, there's at least one person who I just seem to be somewhat more drawn to, even though she is giving arguably a masterclass in all of her nominations in one way or another. Um, and I'm sure this is not the last time we will be seeing Olivia Coleman at the Oscars. Um, 
But uh, Penelope Cruz, uh, for the second time, is going to be getting my win here because I think Parallel Mothers, I, pending rewatch, might be her best performance. For right now, it's still there for me until I do get around to watching Parallel Mothers again to truly decide. But um, I i don't even know what to say. There's just a million different words that could be said uh, with every single gesture and look that she delivers in this movie she like knows this character inside and out um it feels like a very lived in character like someone she has known for a long time um this is you know definitely a melodrama or at least heavily inspired by the melodramas of the past but she performs it in a very grounded sort of way while still allowing certain flourishes to exist um yeah i think it's a it's a fantastic performance and i i knew when i saw it way back when that if she got nominated she was probably going to be my winner um and looking at this list i can't say with certainty that anyone else is my winner but her so uh penelope cruz has it once again for me I've given Penelope Cruz a win for Volver. I've given Olivia Coleman a win for The Favorite. So either way, these women, one of them, are getting a second Oscar from me. And I love that they're both our top two, by the way. Um, and I just think it like both of these are deserving as hell. But this is not a tie situation. In fact, I can, for me, clearly also have a winner here and the thing is is that penelope cruz is my runner-up and olivia coleman gets that second oscar for me cruz is fantastic there is not a sour note here she's so goddamn good and it is such a beautiful portrayal coleman is magnifique she is everything i need and more and the fact that i get to reward her and buckley for giving two very different yet very different performances for the same character and they go hand in hand is just amazing and i love that not even kate winslet and judy dench could do that for me with iris and it has just been such a joy to watch olivia coleman's oscar resume grow and I really wish she would have won this. Um, I am just so mesmerized every time she's on scene, uh, is in a scene from the big beady raccoon swollen eyes to her having that breakdown in the shop about her kids and she left them and there is just something so beautiful and tragic about what she's doing here. I fall in love with this actress more and more. I don't know if you still haven't watched Broadchurch, but that that fur that last episode is some of the best goddamn acting I've ever seen, and it's Olivia Coleman. Have you seen it? Yeah. Oh, you did? You've watched Broadchurch? I saw Broadchurch before the favorite came out. I that that last episode, I just will visit that clip on YouTube every once in a while when I just need a pick me up of like of serotonin because it, her the acting is so fucking beautiful. 
And the fact that Olivia Coleman continues to deliver more and more and more, I'm just like, more, please, mother, give me more. Um, but yeah, so I give Olivia Coleman the win and Jesse Buckley the win. Yes, I have uh, Penelope Cruz and Kirsten Dunst. Any shockers Yay! in there for you? Um, no, uh, not exactly. Uh, so the reason, one of the reasons I went with uh, Dench as my prediction for you is because I knew she was number five for me. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if this will be a situation or my number five is his number one. So I just kind of threw that out there thinking it just might work. It did not this time, but that does sometimes work. It does. It does. Because I'm honestly like Judy Dench would be a very me thing to do here. Yeah. For the lols. Yeah. Well, no, I I don't think I've ever done anything for lols. I just go by what I feel. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm just a, I'm just a lady who has feelings. Yes, um, you're all vibes. <laughs> I just run on vibes. That's all I do. I'm just a viber. Um, this has been fun, and I'm glad we got to do this finally, and now we can actually talk about this. Yes. So, um, so either until next time or in till next year whatever we decide to do i hope everyone stays well in these crazy times and thank you for supporting us again throughout these last couple years and you know we're in the middle of a pretty interesting musical battle right now on the twitter um have you been partaking in votes with that i think a couple of times yes yes that's been very interesting um so it'll be fun to see what happens there and do you have anything that you want to plug I know you're working on some new things. Um, nothing that's ready for plugging, I suppose. Okay. But uh, yeah, things I'm doing some things, but nothing that I feel the need to advertise at at this point. Sounds good. Well, How about yourself. Uh, as well, you know, one of them. I we just because you're a part of it, just can't talk about it yet. Right. There's only so much you can say, but um. You know, be on the lookout. There might be something that reunites Brandon and I in the flesh soon. So um been working on that for the last six months or so and been doing some good things with it. So we'll see what happens. And um, in the meantime, you can still hear all of our stuff on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Um, we're still on Patreon. We still have some patrons going on there. Um, but, yeah, you you know, 1960s to now, we're all caught up and some things in between from 30s, 40s and 50s. So, you know, we're still around people. It's all good. Right. So on the kind of entirely dead. Yeah, yeah. We're not completely, completely dead. Um, but uh, with that said, on the count of three, on a big au revoir. Ready? One, two, three. Au revoir. Au revoir.